Sometimes I think I'm out of date. I was, uh, it was evident yesterday, I was on a hot date with my wife, and uh, I was at um, Cafe Artigiano, Ugh. so good, and I walked into the hotel that was next to it, and there was two concierges sitting and looking real good, but they're underneath this ginormous dome, and it's a light, but it's a big dome, and instantly what comes to my mind is the cone of silence by Maxwell Smart. So I'm standing there, and I said, dudes, you look like you're sitting under the cone of silence. You know? Maxwell Smart? Oh, whatever. And it was just so, so awkward, because I'm using this illustration, they have no idea. They're about to call the police, right? So I'm starting today a little like that, but before I go, I gotta admit, that when uh, the folks were praying, uh, Bob Kuhn, I, I got to meet him in Winnipeg, and I may have shared this with you, but it was really cool. Bob gave uh, a presentation of what was going on, and he's a powerful guy, a powerful lawyer, but I would say, like, like the Bible describes Moses and Jesus, he's meek. So very powerful, but under control. So he wouldn't walk in, you know, if he'd walk in today, you probably might not even notice him. He's just, uh, you know, a, a, a gifted, powerful guy, but chill, under control. I think he struggles with Parkinson's, right? So there I was, um, listening to him, and I was on the edge of my seat listening, and he was holding his hands behind him like this, and then you could see that the Parkinson's was really acting up, so his, his arms and his hands were shaking like crazy. And I'm listening to this powerful thing, and I'm going, this is incredible. And all these church leaders are gathered around, they're all listening, and finally he concludes it. And I'm looking around going, I was just prompted. I jump up and I said, guys, we, let's pray for Bob. This is incredible what he's a part of. And I just want to join together and with one voice lift him up. So I go up there to this poor old man who's struggling with Parkinson's and stuff, shaking away. And I put my arm on this old man and uh, I start to pray. And I'm beseeching you know, upon the Lord for this guy and this university all of a sudden, most embarrassingly, his phone just starts ringing, right? And I thought, oh, in my mind, so I'm praying with the mouth, but in my mind, I'm just thinking, oh, so embarrassing, poor old guy. Like, shoot, ah, oh, how, oh. So I'm thinking, oh, if only he knew he could slip his, his hand in his pocket and shut that thing off because we're into this whole powerful prayer. And then I all of a sudden realized it was my phone. <laughs> <laughs> it was just awesome. Poor old guy, I said. So I confessed to him the next year. I hope he forgot by then. Yeah, I, I gave it a while. So funny. I think back to my childhood, and I had a couple traditions that I loved. One of them was Sunday night, because Sunday night at 6, uh, handcrafted, especially for me, Walt Disney put together an incredible story about Old Yeller or something like that. 
And I was just like, oh, frothing at the mouth. Thank the Lord we weren't Baptists, so we didn't have an evening service on Sunday night, right? So we got to watch Walt Disney. And Saturday night uh, was just as good, because Saturday night, around the same time, we had something uh, with Bo and Luke Duke. And let's not forget Daisy, right? Can't forget Daisy. But we had the Dukes of Hazard. And the Dukes of Hazard was awesome. Like every week you're just glued to that and you're wondering what, the, what's, what kind of trick or slide the General Lee's going to have and how they're going to outfox Boss Hog and all that stuff. It was incredible. Saturday night was so exciting and I loved that routine. But the worst part of it is that we didn't have Netflix back then. So whatever happened this week, you had to wait a whole week. You don't even understand that, young people. You have to actually wait to see what happened to Daisy, if she was freed, or to Bo and Luke, whatever it might be. A whole week you had to listen. But the, the absolute, absolute torturous worse, which is bordering on abuse, was when there was this captivating episode, you're on the edge of your seats, and then there's a high-speed chase, the cops are following the General Lee with Bo and Luke Duke, and they hit a jump, they're out in the air, that you're wondering if they're going to get away with this, and all of a sudden right across the screen, to be continued. <laughs> Are you kidding me? So a whole week, not only for the next episode, but you don't even know if Bo and Luke Duke are going to land this. You don't know if the general is going to be crippled. You have no idea if they're going to jail or if they're dead. For a whole week, I sat in my bed in the fetal position waiting <laughs> for, the next, for the next Saturday. Absolute worse. Absolute worse. Well, I'm guessing that's a lot like you guys because two weeks ago, I preached on Isaiah 61. <laughs> and you guys have been like, ah! <laughs> Hardly wait for Sunday. Isaiah 61 verses 1 to 3. And what we did is we went 1 to 3, but we stopped halfway in between and we talked about the first advent of Jesus Christ. And right here, this is the pre-advent. So Advent starts next Sunday. This is, the, this is just a, an appetizer for Advent. So we're looking forward to the first coming of Christ, when we, or we're looking back to the first coming of Christ, and we also look forward to what Isaiah 61 says, we're looking forward to the second advent of Christ. And I don't think this is something we talk about all that much. In fact, I was sitting here thinking like, how much do we talk about it? I think when I was 14, I went to Nipwin Bible Institute for a, for a, a youth retreat, and I just remember, I think on one of the screenshots, they had a pair of Nike high top airs that were sitting there and the guy was no longer in them because they talked about when Jesus Christ will come, I'll get sucked right out of my boots because I'm going to meet Jesus in the air. You know, and it's exciting because you start thinking about this and you start thinking about the rapture or the end times and it's something we just don't think about a whole lot. Well, Isaiah 61 is an exciting portion of scripture that makes us look back, makes us look forward, and I think also makes us obviously meditate on our Lord Jesus Christ, but also our role in the whole redemptive process. And this was awesome because the words that were sang today and also stuff that was prayed and presented by the Gormans was fabulous. It just fits right in today. I hope you see that too. So before we jump in, let's pray together. Jesus, we come and we submit ourselves to you. Um, so exciting as I, I see uh, 
what was sung, what we sang today, and what was prayed about, what was presented, and how that actually lines up very, very much with Isaiah chapter 61. And I'm excited what you want to do in us today. I'm excited that hopefully that each one of us just gets a, a, another glimpse of how much, like the Daniel Amos band says, you're like the hound of heaven. You're, you're after us. You created us. And you have the best plan for our life. And yet we constantly fool around with imitations and garbage. We constantly listen to our friends who sometimes do not have our best interest in mind. And you're sitting there, not only sitting there, but you're, you're pursuing us. And you're talking about the year of Jubilee, the year of the Lord's favor. And yet sometimes we think that favor is somewhere else. But favor is in the name of Jesus Christ. And we ask that this morning that you just give us a glimpse of that again. Help us to realize that we are so lucky to be alive today because unlike Isaiah, Isaiah was looking forward, we get to look backwards and we get to look forwards. We love it. So open your word to us in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Today's scripture, as I looked at it, I entitled it, Our Deliverer is Coming. Our deliverer is coming. Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 to 3, this is what it says. The year of the Lord's favor. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Pause. So that's kind of the first advent. And why do we kind of talk about that? Because what we see in Luke chapter 4, it seems that right there is where Jesus took over in Luke chapter 4. And this is what four, uh, chapter 4 of Luke says, verses 16 to 19. He went to Nazareth, Jesus did, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went to the synagogue as, he was, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. To set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Pause. So that's Jesus. And then you can continue to read in Luke chapter four. It's pretty exciting stuff. And now, as Paul Harvey says, for the rest of the story. Back to Isaiah. And the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. To provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them a, a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. May God bless the reading of his word. What an incredible portion of scripture, and before we go much further, I think we need to digest the last verse. The last verse just blows my mind. What does it say? They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for what? The display 
of his splendor. Like, just think about that. Psalm 23, you're all aware of it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. It goes on and on and on. But then what does it say at the very end of it? And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So important. If you forget, if you forget that, the rest of that psalm is not near as beautiful. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Here in Isaiah chapter 61, this is incredible stuff, but if you forget, they will be oaks of righteousness. Who's they? Oh, I think it includes us. It includes the people that were in captivity with the Assyrians or the Babylonians. It includes the ones that were taken away because of sin and they were exiled. And now they were just longing to reconnect with uh, God and the religious rites that was surrounding that. And he says that he will rescue them and he will trade in all of the sorts of things that we're going to see in a bit, but they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord. Not just a haphazard, oh, there's another plant along the side of the road, but a planting of the Lord, an oak of righteousness for the display of his splendor. So this is important to God. And I love that. Because sometimes I think about my spiritual life and my journey and my victory. Wait a second. I think the good Lord is a serious time investor into my life for his glory and for his splendor. Incredible portion of scripture. It's so important. Jesus wants to bring us to maturity for when we are mature, we display his splendor to the universe. And even when we're not mature, when we're maturing, we display his splendor to the universe because it's not in our power, but by his power, saith the Lord. I love this. My friends, it's important to remember that Isaiah was writing thousands of years before Jesus even read this. It's kind of like this illustration by a Baptist preacher. Did you... Did we load that puppy up? Illustration by a Baptist preacher that I found here. Old Testament believer like Isaiah. I had no idea Isaiah had such a big head, but nonetheless. So this is kind of a a glimpse that he gave for us, is that you have somebody like Isaiah, and Isaiah was looking over here, and he was looking up, and he sees Mount Baker, but he doesn't see the mountains beyond Mount Baker. Do you know what I'm saying? It's kind of like I see Mike over here, but if I kind of go like this, I have no idea Mike's there. So he's looking up toward the advent of Christ or or what God's going to do, and he has no idea necessarily that there's two mountaintops, if that makes any sense. So the first coming of Christ, and he comes and he's coming to the cross. He's coming to buy our freedom, you guys. The redemptive work of Jesus Christ. His, what he's done on the cross buys us freedom, the forgiveness of sins. And then there's this gap here, this church age, he calls it, or the unseen valley. But then there's the second coming of Christ, and he comes not wearing the cross, but wearing the crown. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Glory. Alleluia. That's your cue. Come on. So this is what he says, the Baptist guy that wrote this, or the Baptist guy that scribbled out this uh, neat little illustration he says if you look at two mountain peaks from a distance it may appear that there's only one mountain from your vantage point it may be difficult to distinguish that there are really two mountains with a valley in between the old testament believer had difficulty distinguishing two separate comings of the messiah to him the coming of the messiah looked like one mountain peak in the distance 
he did not realize that there was actually two mountain peaks with a valley of about 2,000 years in between them. Jesus came, in the first part, to bring the year of Jubilee. Pause. So Jesus Christ died on the cross, and he's, he's extending freedom to all of us, to the person that gets on your nerves, to the people that you read about and you're wondering how violent they are. He has bought their freedom. Global, we're saying, Jesus Christ died on the cross for their, for our sins. Incredible stuff. The good news of Christ. He, pro- he came to proclaim the year of Jubilee, freedom from sin, and to pro- proclaim the good news of the gospel. He came to save us. But there's also going to be a time when he returns. Folks, at some point, there's going to be an accounting. At some point, and he talks about the vengeance of the Lord. But at some point, there will be an accounting, a reckoning. Whether we have bent our knee to Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, or if we have rejected him. At some point, there will be vengeance or a reckoning. As Kidner, a commentator, points out, in its various contexts here in Isaiah, in its various contexts then, the prophecy here in Isaiah is seen in the bud, it's seen in the flower, and by implication, in the full fruit. So we see parts of it. The Free Church of Canada takes this stand uh, when it comes to our thoughts about what's going to happen in the second advent. It says, God's gospel will be brought to fulfillment by the Lord himself at the end of this age. We believe in the personal, bodily, and glorious return of our Lord Jesus Christ with his holy angels when he will bring his kingdom to fulfillment and exercise his role as judge of all. This coming of Christ at a time known only to God demands constant expectancy and our blessed hope motivates the believer to godly, living, sacrificial service and energetic mission. Ooh, that's good. I'm going to read that again, at least part of it. Because we don't know when he's going to return and we know that he will return and you just got to be ready, expectant. I love what it says here. This coming of Christ as time only known to God demands constant expectancy. How will you change? How will your actions change? How will your investments change if you realize, boom, he could come right now. He could come tomorrow. How would you treat your wife today if you knew he was coming back next week? Are you doing what you need to be doing knowing that Christ will come at any time? And our blessed hope motivates the believer to godly living, to sacrificial service, and to energetic mission. Boy, I like that. That's really telling us. He's saying here, and the free church, I love this statement here because it's not getting you wrapped up in exactly when will he return? Will we be in the tribulation? Will we be in part of it? When, you know, it's just like, you know what? Be ready because he's coming. Be ready because he's coming. But look at his ministry. Out of all this, Look at this ministry. He says, the, sovereign, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. And then he goes on to talk about this ministry that he's going to have with, that he has had and is having and will have with believing Israelites. So please also hear me that some of this stuff was physical and some of this is also, I think we can take as spiritual. 
So some of this stuff was actual freedom from bondage, physically. But I think it's pretty beautiful that we can also look at this and go, this is the heart of God, even for us. So his, his ministry here for the Israelites, believing Israelites and the church that goes through hardship, that goes through tribulation, that goes through sorrow, he says, he will bind up the brokenhearted. He will proclaim freedom for captives. He will release prisoners from darkness. He will comfort all who mourn. He will hand out crowns of beauty in exchange for ashes of sorrow. He will exchange our mourning and pain, and he'll dab our foreheads with the oil of joy. He will give us a tailor-made garment of praise and get rid of the spirit of despair. Robin Mark sings a song that has ministered to me for probably 12 years, and he talks about, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Oh, I could play that song over and over again. That's what he's talking about. That's what Christ has come to do. He wants to take off this spirit of despair and put on a tailor-made garment of praise. Folks, he wants us to become like oaks of righteousness, stalwart and strong in him, not like flimsy reeds that flop around with every wave of doctrine, not with everything that's happening in culture right now. He wants us to be strong. He wants us to be like Psalm 1. Our roots go deep down and we're planted by rivers of living water, by streams that will feed us. And then whatever comes our way, we bear fruit. But whatever wins, any kind of change comes, we have solid foundation because we put our foundation in the hope of Jesus Christ. And the people said, Thank you. So what do you think is a good strategy? We're winding down here. What do you think is a good strategy for becoming an oak of righteousness or a mature believer? And let's just think that for a second, that if we actually change our philosophy of what does Steve want to become? What does Helen want to become? What does Marion want to become? If you actually, okay, Lord, I want to commit myself to becoming an oak of righteousness for your splendor and your glory. I don't think you could go wrong with that vision for your life. Sounds pretty good. So, what is it going to look like? What kind of strategy can we have for becoming an oak of righteousness or a mature believer? How can we be ready for Jesus' second coming? So by the power of the Holy Spirit of God, I would say that we can be a part of binding up the brokenhearted. Have you ever loved somebody that doesn't love you back? Have you been a part of a broken marriage? Or even a dating situation where you thought she was the one and you got your heart broken? We can be a part, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can be a part of proclaiming freedom for captives. You know, friends, that if you're sitting in here going, if only people knew that I have a problem with alcohol, well, guess what? There's a few of us in here a number of people here have been touched by the power of the Holy Spirit and have Jesus walking alongside them day by day. And let me tell you what somebody said in my life one day, that if you don't struggle with something like that, praise God for his grace that he kept you from that. Amen. He will proclaim freedom for captives to addictions, if we're addicted to drugs or addicted to sexuality or, 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 or addicted to even people praising us, whatever it might be. 
he will also release prisoners from darkness. He will comfort all who mourn. We can be a part of handing out crowns of beauty in exchange for ashes of sorrow. We can be a part of exchanging people's mourning and pain and we can dab their foreheads with the oil of joy. And we can also be a part of handing out tailor-made garments of praise so that folks can get rid of their spirit of despair. So here we have the first advent of Christ and he's proclaiming the year of Jubilee, the year of favor, the year of grace. And yes, he's coming back because we have to make a decision at some point to have a relationship with Christ or to reject him. But yet, even within that, when people go through all this hardship and tribulation and, 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 and toil, he has this heart. And I love it because he's also enlisted us as ambassadors of this so that we can be a part of this whole binding up of the brokenhearted. We can be a part of proclaiming freedom for captives. We get to walk with people and help release prisoners from darkness. We get to be a comfort to those who mourn. We get to hand out crowns of beauty in, in, instead of ashes of sorrow. We get to exchange our mourning and, and pain and dab people's foreheads with oil. Why? Because this was us. This was us. Christ has done or is doing this for us. So when we're struggling with this, when we're struggling with bondage, when we're struggling with mourning, when we're struggling with sorrow, when we have the spirit of despair, Jesus Christ, and he says, here, I got something for you. And it's beautiful because now we're ambassadors of that. So we're spending time today. That's why you shouldn't miss out on Sunday because we need each other. And I love it because we've got to notice each other more. I really believe that's even one of the parts of our ministry of small groups is that we get to know each other so that, wait a second, where's Sandra today? Not because you're nosy, but because you love Sandra and you want to watch out for Sandra. You want to be part of this process of helping her to become an oak of righteousness, a mature believer for the glory of God. That make sense? I love it. Imagine what the world would see. Imagine what it would look like if this is what we were aiming for. That we were aiming to become oaks of righteousness and maturity. Imagine what would happen in BC, in Ontario, when they start seeing the Trinity Western grads fashion their life after something like this. Imagine what will happen in the place where you live, in your neighborhood, in, in the place where you shop, wherever you have fun, if people start seeing that you actually surround your values and you actually act upon your values that you get because, Lord, help me to be an oak of righteousness for the glory of God, for your namesake. Lord, that's our prayer today. Help us with this. Help us to realize that you have come and you pulled out all stops so that you pursued us and you brought us this incredible, incredible um, message and gospel of freedom in Christ. And Lord, I love it because you actually, not, you don't stop there, but you empower us with the Holy Spirit and now want us to be a part of this. So Lord, I just pray that each one of us sitting here today, no matter what age we are, that you'd help us to think, 
How can we become an oak of righteousness? Or how can we become mature? And Lord, we want to be a part of binding up the broken heart and proclaiming freedom, releasing prisoners, comforting those who mourn, and the list goes on, Lord Jesus. And I thank you for doing that for us. Lord, we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. So I want to leave you with a blessing that you find out of Ephesians chapter 3. This blessing is for you. The Holy Spirit penning this through the personality of Paul. And he says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we can ask or think of or imagine, according to the power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations, forever and ever and ever.